Welcome to episode two of Quirkish Delight. Uh, uh, today's analysis is focused on The Dark, episode five of season one. Kate and Sana are with me, both checking their phones furiously for notes that were taken during this episode. And rightfully so, lots of storylines, lots of interplay, uh, definitely some time lapse in there. No linearity in the story. What did you think of episode five, season one of Dark? I didn't really know much about the show when we started the episode. All I knew was that um, it was a, a foreign show. So I learned that it was actually a Swedish show. But when it did kick off, I thought it was just going to be sort of a you know detective story about a missing child. Um, that's that's kind of where the plot line began in episode five, but then it quickly turned into sort of um, just lots of back flashes and storylines changing from present to past, mm-hmm. um, which really made it something that um, I wasn't expecting. And um, having just seen sort of that episode kind of smack in the middle of the season, I'm I'm still a little bit um I guess pondering what the overall message is of of the show, right? The the non-linear timeline that Zarar referred to. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh Tisana's wonderful comments, I <laughs> I wonder the same thing. What what is what is the point? Um but more so I'm wondering what is this thing that is taking people? Um and is it time traveling with everything else? Um my initial reactions to the show overall, um my expectations were a crime-based hint of sci-fi series. Um, more so on the time travel side of things and only really alluded to at the end of the episode. Um, I feel like this episode really revealed a lot of what was going on. I feel like if I was a, a normal watcher of dark, I might've had a really, um, opening uh, show to have experienced. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what about you? What are your... What were your expectations? Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking more in the lines of a broad church type uh, season uh, where you have like a murder early on and then you kind of track through it. And maybe this is that show, except we caught it at uh, at an episode where they're trying to like kind of maybe combine the supernatural angle versus the human angle. A lot of different ideas, I think, were converging for the first time in the in the show, and that's what kind of made it uh, interesting. Uh, but I did have a couple of questions. There was some a lot of storylines here. In one of the scenes, I, I believe there's two people talking, and one of them tells the other, can I trust you to not tell a secret? And I wonder, has anybody ever answered no to that question? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that I highly doubt that. Um, when you're going to be telling somebody a secret, it's uh, it's assumed that you're not going to you're going to be sharing something that's not going to be passed on um, or you're taking the risk there for sure. Um, 
This was a scene where it was two friends. They're in high school. They're they're meeting up to play some video games, and one um, propose one asks the other that you know what I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to let you in on something, and then he lets him know that he's meeting a drug dealer and that he would like his friend to come with him and meet uh, this drug dealer later on in the evening. And um, his friend agrees. And uh, then we fast forward to the evening where um, they're supposed to be meeting the drug dealer and the friend never shows up. But it does bring up an, an interesting scene there because there's if there's one person that sort of seems to be consistent in the past and the present, it's that priest in the car. That was a real telling point where that boy got into the car for the drug deal and he met the priest who was also the same priest in the hospital for that um, that little boy who said he was from the future. So I think that that was, and I don't know if you guys noticed any other links or um, common threads between past and present, uh, but that was one that seemed significant to me. Yeah, I think, so I think in, if you guys can chime in, but there was a profiling at the end and it was of a character named Noah and it was like a character with a hat on. And I was like, is that meant to be the priest? Is the priest's name Noah? Mm -hmm. Um, But the priest had made an interesting comment, which was um, question those who question you. Um, And he was instructing that to the kid when they were in the hospital. And I wondered where um, or what was really driving this the secret that they were keeping and what was it that um, Mikael or Michael in that child's hospital or psychiatric hospital maybe knew or was driving towards that the priest was saying, like, don't allow people to question this thing. That thread was interesting because the priest also asked him, like, you know, like, how, how did life originate? And the kid goes, the Big Bang. And the kid uh, and, and the priest goes, well, what was there before the Big Bang? And um, and I think that's always a interesting uh, point of discussion because at that point you're talking in very much hypotheticals and no concrete knowledge. So when the priest pulls off the what was before the Big Bang, uh, I think he's uh, he's being a little um, I don't know disingenuous to the kid. Yeah, and for really. Um who cares um, what was before the Big Bang? Like that, for me, (laughs) it's like, that's when life started. So, or that's when the universe was created. So um, I I honestly, like, it's it's a little bit irrelevant to me um, what there was or wasn't prior to that. Like, if that was maybe the beginning of time, then let's just start from that point forward. Like, I think he was trying to make the point of there has to be a God um, to have triggered the Big Bang, and therefore we all need to believe in God. I I don't think that that was really the point that the the boy was trying to make in that conversation. So it's a nice way to just shut down the topic and move on, and that's kind of what the priest did in that scenario. I think your original question, Sano, was have did you notice any other like traveling timelines, which I, I realize I might not have answered, but the other traveling timeline was across this individual who was a police investigator who was mapping out 
what seemed to be missing children. Um, and then they flash back to him as a high school student who was um, reprimanded for um, rape or sexual misconduct. Um, that was the only other instance of like time travel that I had noticed. And I wondered if like that character was influenced by the fact that he was locked up to get into the to the justice system to like give people a fair chance at like what was um known or unknown i think it's totally normal to not trust the justice system to do the right thing and uh and avoid it as much as possible there were a couple of characters that i do want to talk about here Uh, one was the guy who was cheating on his wife I'd like to know from you guys, because uh, his wife asked him a question when he like snuggled up to him to her, and she asked him, "Are you cheating?" And he thought about it for a while, and he goes, "Where did you get that idea?" Uh-huh. And I, I want to know, like, what is the only acceptable answer to the question, "Are you cheating?" <laughs> yeah, so it should just be a hard no with no hesitation. <laughs> Or a um, yes or a no. It's like yeah, one or the or other. Or just a it's yes. Just, there's no... A confident yes, I definitely am cheating on you. <laughs> Either way, it needs to be a yes or a no. Definitive, yeah. yeah, definitive. And with not a lot of hesitation or questions back, trying to dig into why you're asking that question, right? <laughs> that, that's not making it better. <laughs> you're really... You're starting the process of dr- digging a hole for yourself at that point. So I think that's what happened in that situation. But uh, it seemed like his wife may have bought it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because yeah. like the scene before, she's like hugging the woman who he's cheating on her with. And she gives this long embrace and like looks him in the eye. And I'm like... <gasps> She knows. And then it's not until after that point that it's revealed that like he's cheating on her anyways. And I was like, oh, this is, I think that she knew. Or yeah. she, that's why she asked. She has a feeling. Uh, do you think that the two of them know that it's that girl, Hannah, who was the one who turned him in for the sexual misconduct? Ooh. There's a, a backflash to when they're um this these three people are younger they're in high school um one of them is hannah who obviously has a crush on and i believe his name is ulrich ulrich yes ulrich i'll go with that (laughs) and um she obviously has a crush on him uh but he likes another girl a girl with blonde hair and then it cuts to another scene where he and this blonde girl are talking about how um, they essentially want to have sex. And and what happens next is, I guess it's sort of an after-school scene where Hannah is with her father and she's uh, waiting for him to finish something up in the car and she happens to go peek into the window. I guess it's at their school, they're outside. And she sees the two of them together And when her father comes back, she decides to frame it in a completely different way, where it seems like Ulrich has forced himself upon this girl versus it being a consensual sort of thing that they were doing together. And I guess he gets he gets uh, caught for it. And I'm just wondering if he and his wife now, because they're married in the future, know that it was Hannah who 
turned him in for that. And now he appears to be having an affair with Hannah as well, which is quite a convoluted situation. I think that before knowing of the uh, affair, it was very evident that this man was stressed and experiencing a lot at the time. Um, The first scene that we saw of him, he has cuts all over his face, which we don't really know where that came from. Um, I think that this man would likely benefit from being open with his wife about what is going on, because that is usually always the play. But uh, in this case, I don't know what has happened before in order to influence where they are now. So it's hard for me to say he should do this. But if it's my two cents on his cheating part, I think he should always be honest. To his credit, if you will, he does try to break it off. And uh, as uh, she departs him, uh, she goes, uh, you know, he goes like, hey, it's over. This is over. Like, I've, I've, I've chosen my wife and all that. And she goes, don't think I'll let you go this easily. Um, so when she made that comment, I literally took down some notes and I wrote, um, Hannah is a psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I I actually don't think it matters what he's thinking. Um, it seems to be, uh, her who calls all the shots. Um, she's ruined his life before, and I think she's continuing to do so right now. So whether or not he wants to end it seems to be a little bit irrelevant because she kind of does what she wants. That's the way it looks to be. Yeah, there was there was a play in the uh, in the show, and uh, that one of the characters was referring to this event called the flood, which changed the world forever. Uh, there was a moment where somebody goes, uh, "Oh, that was the old world before the flood." I think the flood is a major event that has changed the world forever. That is the flashback between times. I think there has been some sort of event. Do you think that flood in that play had a connection into the in, into the real world in the show? Since it was in, in a play within the show, it's a metaphor for something larger because they also do refer to um, cycles of 33 years, but they talked about how things tend to repeat themselves every 33 years as a part of the lunar solar cycle. And I believe this is the detectives talking about this when they're um, trying to dig into the case of the missing boy that's currently, um, that's just happened and how it's very similar to um, to a case from several, several years ago, actually the one about um, Michael. It seems to be... Um, being repeated right now. And so there is a sort of a a common theme there around um, things happening again at a certain point. And maybe that's talked about from, from a flood perspective or some, some kind of major event. I think the way that they illustrated this time concept was through like the mazes or labyrinths, like at the very beginning, they, like the opening is all of this like split screen and like how you would paint something on one side of the paper and you would fold the piece of paper and then like the image would be repeated or reflected on the other side. And then there was these multiple labyrinths that were like a reflection of one side or the other. And so there was all of these like hints of time and reference to time throughout the the series. What is it that Mikael did or why did he want to travel through time? Did we establish why he wanted to travel through time? 
Um, I don't, that's not clear to me at all. It didn't seem like it, it was his choice, or at least I didn't feel like I got enough information to comment on if he wanted to be there or if that's something that just happened to him. But, but going back to the 33-year thread, that's interesting because uh, there was like a, in, I remember reading in like American history way back that like Thomas Paine, who was like one of the, one of the founding fathers or one of the people from that time, uh, and when he was writing the Constitution or the early documents, he goes, you should throw away every law after 19 years because that's how long it'll take for it to become obsolete and you got to rethink things. Uh, you know, every 19 years, there's a regeneration of people. So you got to update the law. So here, 33 years. So like if you had to come up with a with an idea on like how often the democracies and world law should be rewritten what do you think that period is i don't think that there's like a period of time that you could choose that would de facto be the perfect amount of time to like change Mm -hmm. the laws every every like couple of years like i don't know if it's a good idea for it to be reactionary either to like change based on something having happened but I think that that is what influences change over time. So maybe it's a combination of of time and things changing. But I don't know if you can choose just one period of time to say, mm-hmm. like, this is when we should. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can set, like, a general rule of thumb to evaluate every, like, every year. I don't know. Like, shouldn't you do that once a year rather than being like, let's wait five years to really see a result. But I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say every five years. <laughs> I think five years is a pretty good number where you go through and you just double check everything and you rethink it if required based on how things may have changed and, and things change pretty rapidly now when it comes you know, to technology, data, so forth. So five years actually may be too too long mm. um so 19 years i think is is kind of silly and 33 years is just like oh, whatever <laughs> um but yeah it, it definitely needs to be a lot more often um than i think we do it today there was this like one this one line in the show which goes death is incomprehensible but we can make peace with it if somebody gave you a clock on the on the wall, which gave you the approximate time or the exact time and how much longer you had to live, say 50 years, 45 years, and it's counting down, would it change your behavior? Uh, yeah, 100%. It would change my behavior, but I, I wouldn't want that. It's it just it adds such a level of complexity to everything. Uh, another lens to how you've been living, everything that you've been doing. I feel like at that point you would either start reevaluating or you'd want to change the way that you're gonna move forward. And I I personally I I wouldn't want that. I so if somebody gave me a clock, I just set it at zero. Yeah, I don't think I would want to know either. I think it's better to be present in the here and now and not be like, I'm going to do all of these things that I thought I would do years and years from now. But at the same time, it might be a good opportunity to do things that you might be postponing or do them sooner. But on the question of do you fear death? I don't think that I do. Because at this point in my life, like I've done things that have enriched me. I don't feel like I'm missing out on doing something that I haven't done. Like I do the things as I want to do them as they come. 
And I feel like that's like the fundamental fear of death is like not having created memories or experiences that you, um, you may have hoped for like later on in life. Otherwise, like what is there to fear of like an end if you are living like, like as holy and not holy, but you know what I mean? As entirely as you can. Just switching, switching back like to a, to a completely different thing. Did you guys find that there was a lack of urgency in trying to find the children that were missing? It was certainly not the focus of the episode. I think that likely the first four episodes of the season have had a heavier focus on finding the children and the children having gone missing. However, I think this episode was just focused on different threads and not... But yeah, I agree. I think there was all of these moments like reflecting the children where you'd see the maps and like Mikhail in the center and Nikolov in the far left. But like... um the one person that we haven't really touched on is the character at the very beginning with long hair, beard and mustache had their own like profiling board trying to like determine like the whereabouts of a missing child delivered a mysterious package to a clerk and another side thread. Uh, we were watching dark on Netflix where it was English voiceover for Swedish acting and there was moments where the English tone of voice that was voiceover was so disjointed from the facial reaction of the characters. <laughs> and I was losing it. The woman's face was like so disheveled and like confused. And her tone was so like, yeah, drop it off. And I was like, <laughs> you don't sound like you're expressing fear in your face. Um, but so we didn't really touch on this character. He dropped the package off to the son, Jonah at the grave of, I think Mikel or the mm -hmm. father. Mm -hmm. Um, but what was that person seen and what were, we didn't really understand about that. My first reaction to this long haired disheveled dude was like, yeah, this guy did it. Like this is <laughs> yeah, the guy totally. like he, yeah. that, there he is like question him Assumption. at least <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, at least a starting point would be this guy. Like he would give you something. Uh, so I'm assuming like that's already happened in the, in, in the first, uh, in the first four episodes. I think the last scene belongs to him. He came out of nowhere and he delivered a bit of a speech and he goes, you don't even know half of the mysteries of this world and we are wanderers. This is my truth. And I believe like towards the end, they also kind of merge the boy, the time traveling boy with the adult man. Mm. And the adult man may have been this guy. Uh, how do you think all of this connects back to the missing children? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they missing? I mean, are, we, are, are they missing? That's the first question. Mm. Are they lost in time travel? Mm. They chose their, they were time traveling and they found a, a different hole and pocket and they're like mm -hmm. i just want to stay here yeah fuck everything else yeah then is every episode different with the missing child flashing back like quantum leap or something uh would you would you see this uh this show again or from the start kate i would definitely watch this show uh there's a lot of themes that i am interested in and and there's so many questions that I have that I'd be interested enough to come back and, and allow them to unfold naturally. What about you, Sana? I just wasn't into it. Maybe just the episode we picked, it was it was very much um, just jumping all over the place. And I, I couldn't get into the the maybe overarching theme of of just how time connects or 
um, is not linear and how that relates to these kids traveling back. Like nothing, nothing seemed to completely hook me into the episode, which, um, you know, maybe a little disappointing. Maybe I'd give one more episode a try, but I'm not sure if it's a show that would hook me. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on this one uh, just because I don't think I can keep up with the, uh, the, the, the English on Swedish thing. It really throws me off because what I end up doing is I try to like convince myself that they've edited this thing so that the words actually match what's happening or they've done the English so well that it actually matches the lip features or the lip movement. And I just keep looking for that. I'm like, oh, he said the heart. Maybe his m- mouth will also move in the way, the same way as the heart. But he says something close enough. And I'm like, maybe you should be the heart. And that's where my mind is the entire time. So <laughs> I can't pay too much attention to it if, like, the basic mode of communication is already scrambled. Yeah, right? And uh, and sometimes, like, these these shows are great. But, man, like, the cognitive load for me and what, what it does for me to, to, to watch that mismatch is is too much for me to like look underneath what the actual content is. And maybe that's like a disability, <laughs> but I think that alone kind of kind of kind of cuts it off. And also like at this point, like when I'm when I'm scanning shows to watch, like the depressing dark show is just not on my radar. That's fair. Yeah. Agreed. A couple of thoughts about an interesting question is when and how is it acceptable to exaggerate the truth in a state of pain, um, which Hannah did in the, in the early flashback and what are other interesting defense mechanisms other than where did you get that idea, um, that people use in situations where they don't want to address a hard question We're big, like, mm, interesting themes I took away. What about you, Sana? So I think there was one line that I that I kind of liked, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that as sort of the the parting line, and it was um, life is like a labyrinth. There is only one path, and it leads to the center. I, I think that that one that one does make you sort of pause and think, like what is what is your center, and does everybody have the same center? I, I did I did think that the labyrinth sort of thread through the episode was was uh, kind of interesting um, and how it stitches back to the time travel could be um, something that um, would be worth seeing uh, if if you continue to watch the show I also quoted the labyrinth line that Sana had relayed to us which was amazing and how the way I took that line away was like maybe the center is like the point of death and and you're always just going deeper and deeper in different layers of unfamiliarity and and finally you'll hit a hit a point of solace where either you don't want to like look anymore for the path or you finally hit this like utopic f- like final point um but i really liked that that quote as well if you had to pick a time to go back to just to live not permanently but just to revisit let's say which which time would you insert yourself into and uh, and why? Zarar, how about you answer that question for Sana and I as we as we ponder? Uh, I think this answer to my question will change like all the time because as I learn more information, uh, I we recently saw the uh, Vietnam War documentary, which was 
really well done on Netflix. It's like 10 episodes of an hour and a half. And um, living in North America for the last 20, 20 whatever years, I thought that time period in the 60s and early 70s was something really cool to be in because I think you saw really a, a, a strong dichotomy between two sides who were kind of very opposed to each other. It was surprising to see how divided uh, the country was at that time, especially in today's world. You can make some pretty strong parallels. I think it is interesting to see how similar that time period and this time period is in terms of how divisive people are. So, But the energy back then seemed to be like very, very high. And I think in, in today's world, we're like, we're more we're definitely more docile, I find. Because I think if you look at the resistance movement in the Vietnam War, it was very much physical. And it was often like on the streets and violent. And it was it was real. And in, in today's political climate and, and the, and the left-right that's going on, I see the reaction being like much more muted and less vibrant, even though the communication channels that we have today are far more than what we had back in the in the sixties. Not that I was alive, but uh, it seemed to be a lot more. But we're it seems like we're doing less with it, whereas in that time they did a lot more with a lot less. And now we have all these all these technologies and capabilities, but it's just it's not helping us. Uh, and in that case, it kind of helped us. So I don't know if I would go and live there, but I would certainly like to experience that that time period. For me personally, like maybe. You know, the time period of the Renaissance, where things were actually really changing um, at that point, um, just uh, in terms of the art, the culture, so forth. There were there were big shifts being made. Um, would I want to be there permanently? Definitely not. But um, to get sort of a, a taste of that for a bit, yes. The, the period that you mentioned, uh, 60s to 70s, where... Um, there was a lot going on. Um, really, it's it's being able to look back at history now and try to take those learnings to move forward and, and be part of the change today is where I would want to, to focus. So really, it's about the experience versus going back and, and just living in a different time. I grew up and was born in the 90s. And the 90s were always this time period that everyone was like, the 90s were the craziest time. And there's so much emphasis and height on this time period. Um, and then I found myself always looking backward, being like, yeah, it would be so much cooler to have lived here. And this was so much better then. And um, and so I'm not going to give an answer because as much as I think every time period would be incredible to live in for different like plethora of reasons um we should we should focus on why it's good to live in the here and now because it's easier to think about like why it's garbage in the here and now versus what is good about where we are um yeah well said um yeah the here and now is great the here now is amazing. The here now is Uber Eats. The here now is Uber. We are we live in an amazing time. I think uh, I think Moore's law is in full effect, man. To round things off, there was uh, another question that was asked in the episode, where this person was asked to open a letter dated at a particular date, but it was in his hand, 
if somebody handed you a letter to be opened in one year only, especially if it's somebody close to you who who tells you, you can open this letter, but only in a year and a half, would you be able to resist opening that letter? Definitely not. Um, I would open it right away, immediately. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of a ridiculous ask, in my opinion. I mean, you hand somebody the letter and then ask them not to open it. It's getting opened. So, <laughs> yep, I would open it and read it right away, then put it back in the envelope and, um, you know, wait it out a year. <laughs> So you'd put it back in the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I would be the person that does not open this letter. That I I would romantically be like, no, it needs to stay un, unread and it's going to mean something else later. <laughs> um, but so I, I love that you would just open yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Find out what the hell is going on because yeah. I would just wait. There is a study. It's like like one of those studies where you talk to children when they're like three years old, then you monitor them throughout their careers and their lives. And it takes like, I don't know, 60 years to to process. And one of the strong indicators of, of what makes successful human beings turned out to be people who are able to delay gratification. <laughs> so kids who would not, so they, they gave kids a candy, go, hey, if you if you open one right now, you'll get one. But if you open one in like 10 minutes, you might get two. And everybody just ate the candy right away. But those who didn't were like, uh, they turned out to be like whatever, lawyers and doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the delaying gratification part, uh, Sana, you, do you want to change your answer now that you know that information? No, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if the, the letter was going to provide any gratification either. So, <laughs> therefore, I stick with what I'm saying. And I, and I call your, your study as, as maybe irrelevant in this case. <laughs> Kate, your thoughts on delaying gratification? Is that a healthy strategy for life? 100%. In, in almost everything, <laughs> delaying gratification is almost always better. Mm-hmm. Um, though, in practice, is much more difficult as much as I would like to, I preach the importance of delaying gratification. I fall subject to its powers often. If Sana gave me a letter, go Zohar, open it in one year. Absolutely. I'm opening it right away. <laughs> like <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Whatever you're planning, I want to be a part of it. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the quote unquote wrong answer, but, uh, yeah, I, I can delay that gratification. And it doesn't have to be gratification. Okay, so uh, that went off on a bit of a tangent, but that also uh, wraps up a very dramatic um, review slash talk about uh, Season 1, Episode 5 of The Dark, which is a Swedish uh, drama with English voiceover, which makes things doubly complicated. Uh, thank you to Kate and Sana. We'll come back when we have time again. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Cruelty hardly becomes me.